0: Tony is very lucky
1: that his father is a better person than Ollie. And I think you are you, you, you are an ostrich.
2: Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David my
1: Football heritage.
2: <laughs> no one wants to be a fullback as
1: a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
0: But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love hello
2: everybody welcome to another episode of the baller boys podcast so guys this is episode 14 wow we've done 14 episodes already huh wow coming towards the end of the season as well so uh, i'm your host vis and together with me the same two people rahul hello 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 and kaiser hello So guys, today we're going to talk about the usual structure, Uh, we're going to cover some hot topics uh, and then we're going to go through some fixtures like the Arsenal United fixture and then we're going to talk about the Merseyside Derby and then we're also going to talk about what's happening on the bottom half of the table with Burnley, Everton, so on and so forth. And then we'll wrap up our segment as usual with the upcoming notable fixtures. So without further ado, let's just jump in into the Current hot topic that's trending all over the place, Eric Th- Ten. Oh my God, I couldn't even <laughs> <Eric> ah, ah.
0: <laughs> The
2: build-up. So nice. What I meant to say was Eric Ten Hag, ETH yeah. Ethereum. <laughs> so he's the main man the um, who's going to be taking over uh, Manchester United next season, and okay. uh, he'll officially come into the job in uh, June or July this year. I'm not too sure. But for now, till the end of the season, it's still Mr. Ralph. Uh, So, okay, before I go on and on about Ralph Ragnick and what my thoughts are, I want to hear from (laughs) two Liverpool fans. What do you know of him? What do you think of him? About Ralph Ragnik
1: or about Eric Ten Hag? No, no,
2: no. Eric (laughs) Ten Hag, obviously.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an interesting appointment um, for many reasons before we get into it. Obviously, he's had success as a first-team coach only at Ajax. Um, That doesn't discount it. You know, he's done very well there. He's got two league titles, probably going to end up with a third this season. Probably should have four because in the season where um, there was COVID-19-20, Ajax were running away with the league and they just ended the league without awarding anyone um, a title, which seems a bit unfair. So, I mean... An overwhelming success with Ajax. But that's not what has impressed me about him Take away United from the equation. What has been so impressive about Aiton Hag and Ajax over the last few years is how competitive they've been in the Champions League. You mm-hmm. know, when it comes to the smaller sort of leagues, the Dutch League, um, the Belgian League, so outside basically Italy, Spain, Germany and England, the best way to sort of... Uh, tell how good a team is is how they fare in European competition and Ajax have done yeah, that very well they can
0: easily dominate their leagues right yeah
1: exactly Except that so I think that's what that that if I was a United fan that's what I'd be most excited by the Ajax titles are great I mean there was an extended period of time Ajax didn't win anything and he's come in and brought the league titles back to them but that's not something that would excite me you know Ajax are one of the biggest teams in the Netherlands they should be winning the title most years but what's exciting is his performances in the Champions League, the way he's managed to uh, personalise their 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 structure and their strategies compared to the players, uh, the teams they've been playing. Um, that's what would excite me.
0: Yeah, I was kind of thankful that we didn't get them in the uh, final in the end when... Uh... Oh, when Spurs they lost to Spurs? Two. Yeah, Spurs that Yeah, last it would have been a bit but,
2: but tricky, right? That one?
0: Yeah, I think they were really on fire that uh, season. We were very lucky not to make it to the final. And I think bef- before this Eric Ten Hag period, I think Ajax hasn't been in the knockout stages of the Champions League for like Quite some 2006 time, 2006 or something. Yeah, yeah, some ridiculous number like that. So massive massive achievement and then i think this season as well they won all their group games yeah six out of uh, six yeah i was unlucky to get up to benfica i yeah. think the interesting thing is also how he's set up his team and his play i think it's tough to figure out exactly how he will do his manchester united team which is very disjointed and have lots of different players compared to the ajax team in terms of types of players but how he's shifted his tactics every season i think mainly the most recent one is the sebastian hale signing i think no one saw that coming, coming because yeah. they played tardich and who was captain for a long time as a false nine and that worked really well oh, for him, and yeah. suddenly out of a sudden he buys hale who's like a target man and yeah. he smashed it he smashed it this season one of the top scorers in the champions league and even in the eredivisie <laughs> eredivisie <Ever-in-the-be-s-
1: Ever-in-the-s- laughs> <these>. eredivisie <laughs> <laughs> I, I for any of our th- long time fans the <laughs> other thing which is uh, exciting uh, or something to look forward to is obviously what's been mentioned by most people who've been looking up Ang Tan and it's his talent at picking up talent at picking up talent basically so looking at young mm. players <laughs> and really backing them and seeing what's there already and bringing them to the next level there are many examples of this so Gravenberg who's linked with Barcelona Liverpool City only 19 years of age fantastic player Timber who's yeah. the right back who I think yeah. is possibly a player United will be looking at bringing through to as bring. well yeah. uh, as it's definitely a position of weakness currently <laughs> with everyone wan there. there um, so that's what's <laughs> exciting and you look at the current United crop of players as well I'm talking about Sancho I'm talking about Ilanga and even Ilanga. someone like Rashford you know it could be you know, hopefully, I think what a lot of United fans will be hoping that he comes here and he's able to back these players and really get them to realize their full potential. That's what is quite exciting as well.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, w- worries me a bit because um, when he went to Ix, Ix um, didn't win uh, three seasons in a row, correct? And then he sort of, you know, came and won in his first season and you know everything. So uh, United fans sort of think that it's almost the same case now with United. You know, we haven't won in so many years and, you know, he's going to come in sort of like this messiah, savior figure. But I I think people don't understand, not just United fans. I think a lot of people also need to realize that United are not as well run a club as Ajax are in terms of how they bring their players from their academy, how their players are nurtured throughout all those years and their recruitment um how they you know play essentially and how everything is so well run united is not is a mess you know so i think that is going to be one of his biggest challenges to come in and then he will see he'll realize actually you know this this is not what he you know maybe envisioned or oh no maybe anticipated so i think that's something we need to be wary about and not be taken too like like too carried away and another thing Raul like you know yeah like like you said going back to the points of you know hopefully he'll improve players like Rashford, Ilanga, Sancho, all these people but the thing is Ajax have such a good um uh, like um, academy you know setup that their players from young are they know how to be coached you know they are well coached players and that's something I think United have not been in the past maybe 4-5 years you know I, I don't think they've been coached so if anything they need to be coached on how to be coached you, if, do you get what I'm saying? so I think that's going to be another problem as well but you know what? if I were to ask you guys right now what is the first thing he has to come
1: and fix at
2: United what what would it what would it be?
1: I think it's I think it's difficult because just to bring back to your point and then answer the question you're saying right like you said he was purely a coach at IX right? So for all intents and purposes, his job is taking training sessions, tactics, and the games. That's it. Management in England is slightly different. And yes, it's changing. And, you know, you look at teams like City and Liverpool, it's not the case anymore. But let's take Sir Alex Ferguson as the example. He had full control of everything. And that's still how a few managers, we're going to talk about Sean Dyche later on the podcast as well. They are how... A lot of managers in England operate, and from what I'm reading, and this you might be able to correct me here, this is what yeah. Ten Hag is possibly asking for as well. Maybe not to the extent of Ferguson, but I think yeah. he wants a bit more of control, control. more than he had at Ix, right? More authority. So he's coming, yeah. o- yes. So he's coming into a structure which already is a lot of question marks all over the place. So yeah. right at the very top, you've got Michael Arnold's first season. Coming up, right? He's his first summer mm. coming as CEO. He's taking over from uh I forget his name now. Michael uh, well. Michael How can yeah, I forget? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, is Michael Arnold's first season coming up from Wood. Below him, you got John Murthos' first season as sporting director. If I'm not mistaken, mm. as well. Yeah. And then you got Ralph Ragnick there as well below that. So. Yeah. Eric ten Hag is coming into a structure where all the way through the spine, there's no stability. Every
0: yeah. part of that hierarchy is new.
1: Yeah.
0: And Steve McLaren is coming in as assistant manager. Uh, there's
2: still rumors. It's not confirmed still yet. But okay, yeah, okay. but one that thing is that's also like yeah, yeah, it's a huge wow. thing. And then let's not forget Darren Fletcher as well as uh, technical liaison or whatnot. Like I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So when you say yeah.
1: what is uh, Eric ten Hag's first thing to make a change, right? I don't know, cause I don't know what the structure is. <laughs> There's just I don't know. So many things. Bro. There's so, so many, many things, yeah. moving parts, and you know, you can hope that they all fall into line and and it makes sense. But even things like Eric Ten Hag's re- recruitment recruitment, uh, yeah. why wasn't Ralph Ragnick the one who who was in this process? If he's going to be the person right
0: above Eric Ten Hag in the hierarchy, yeah. Because yeah, in terms of player transfers, apparently Ralph Ragnick is going to work very closely with Ten Hag, right? right. Yeah, Uh, but from what I'm hearing,
1: John Murtaugh is the only one really involved in this process. So, there's a lot of question marks there. And it's, you know, I think, yeah, possibly it could work, but there's so many things that need to be figured out by everyone in that hierarchy before you even start thinking about what's happening on the football pitch. Yeah, I
2: 100% agree with everything you've just said. And um, so what what would constitute um, success at United? Okay, first, how many years, you know, does he need would you give him?
0: Well, he's been given in terms of contract, uh, three years, right? Yeah, um, three plus. So one okay, or fine. Like that. Uh, so what
2: it, what would constitute success, la? Is it a trophy in like how many years minimum, or is it like, like what would you?
0: Yeah, I think you have to look at it step by step on how United have performed the past few years. I think, of course, first thing is top, top four. four. Yeah, I think that's more important than any trophy, to be honest. Yeah, uh, especially be... you're not gonna, you're likely not gonna make Champions League. Uh, this season anymore So definitely top four Is the immediate goal And I think anything On top of that It will be a bonus And of course In the end of his three years You would expect A trophy I would think um, Especially with the kind of Expenditure that's been done And the players that you have
2: Okay That being said I think enough of uh, Eric Den Haag Or, if it, or not, is This is just going to become Another Eric Den Haag podcast Man night of podcast So Let's talk about Our first fixture Arsenal at home to United So final score Was 3-1 And um, Just to give you a gist of How Arsenal. Arsenal Yeah To Arsenal How they've turned it around Like They suffered three consecutive defeats the Crystal Palace To Brighton To Southampton And then suddenly They go on to beat Chelsea 4-2 Suddenly they beat Man United 3-1 I don't know if you guys saw this meme Where they sort of Showed all the five fixtures together And then it was like uh, uh, Don't let them know your next move because they suddenly go on to... Uh, the and this, op- this, and is, this is... Uh, opposite of what they normally do. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, memes are...
2: So right now, they look like their favourites, I would say, la, for fourth spot. Uh, I think it's still 50-50 between them and Spurs. Um, they're currently sitting at fourth with 60 points, uh, while Spurs sit at fifth with 58 points. So they're two points uh, away only. Both of them have played 33 games. So let's just dive in straight to the game. So I watched the game. I don't know whether I think I know Rahu watched the game as well. Um, I don't know how it was as a neutral. I think it was wow. wasn't it fun? Was it a it was fight sliding, game? Sliding, <laughs> sliding again. It <kind> of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's slowly coming out. Bro, <laughs> what do the you drink. think of the
2: game? I think it was a it was a fun game to watch, you know? It was a fun
1: game to watch, but the definitely the score line wouldn't reflect the early performance, especially in the first half. I think United yeah. were very expensive. I think United were definitely up for the game. Uh, but Arsenal get a very early goal. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that definitely helps them along. It's I think it almost suits Arsenal sometimes when they can, especially in big games, sit back a little yeah. bit, absorb the pressure, and then play on the break. Uh, so that suited them. And then Ronaldo gets the goal. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, sorry. They go two yeah. mil up first and then it two one. Two goal yeah. and then and then becomes two yeah. one. And then after that, I think United have a flurry, but then they never quite find their feet. Yeah, and then it's it,
2: Bro, honestly, at two one, it looked like United were gonna just go on and win this game, you know? Yes. And yes. when the penalty came, I was like, This is it, it's happening. Because the momentum swung, you know, completely and yeah, Bruno did Bruno missed the penalty, for those of you who didn't know. And um, out of nowhere, uh, Zaka gets his goal. And that kills the game, essentially. Yes. That third goal out of nowhere. Yes. So, I would say both managers, right, they had very little influence on how the game panned out. I'm sure they had their tactics, their game plan whatsoever. But everything went out the window, I think, the first three, four, five minutes. And uh, yeah, I read this somewhere. I read this on The Athletic. You know, uh, Michael Cox uh, quoted saying that they were more like parents watching an under-11s game of football. Because literally, that was, that's what it was, you know. And uh, I think some of the key standout players for me were... I think there's only one standout for me was El Neni. I think he played really well that game. Um, I think he's done pretty much um, to come and step up um, because Partey is not there anymore. I mean, uh, injured, out injured. So he's come in and done a good job. I would say not to go too far, lah, but I think how Thiago played against us for Liverpool, I think very similar to what El Neni did uh, as well to... United essentially, okay, and okay, o- okay. Let's not, yeah. <laughs> 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 Let's and not overall, too right? Crazy now. Okay. <laughs> overall, uh, if you look at it from a tactical point of view, uh, United had zero pressing. Arsenal pressed way better. Arsenal were just playing how Arsenal play. They've been playing throughout the season, and um, United, I think they just. Sh- Sort of shot themselves um, in the foot, basically. I mean, the first and third goal were defensive errors, and um, Arsenal just were better in every department. But there were chances all around, uh, chances galore. And I think um, to wrap things right for this fixture, it's a it's a big fixture, um, especially for top four. And again, you know, questionable refereeing, and I, I'm not like I'm not the one who you know, who usually likes to harp on this shit. But this game was, was painful also. So, lah, so many know. different decisions. Yeah, it was many different decisions. For example, I'm going to bring up the Cedric handball, the one that he was crawling on the floor. Uh, yeah, when He started... was looking at the ball as well. Yeah, he was looking at the ball. And he was thing. he was sort of trying to get the ball and he sort of scooped it out. I don't know what you all think. I think that's a hand. But according to the rules, I think that's not hand or something like that, right?
0: It's tough. Like. It's the intention, I think. And he was looking at the ball. So I think it could have definitely been given.
2: Sure. Yeah. Okay. That one. One. I think. I think that was a penalty. I'm not sure if that's it happened in the box. not. that's
0: obvious as the
1: Ilanga one, la. The Ilanga you know, one, right? The, the one, one Ilanga foul yeah. on Ilanga. is quite. Yeah. He's very difficult. I'd love to see the justification on that because, for me, that's a pretty obvious pen. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, fine. If you go through the game, right, and we we talk about it now. So, when Saka gets the penalty as well. If you yeah. don't give that foul, then I yeah. think okay line con- it's still wrong. Yeah, right? in the context, yeah, still wrong, but uh, free at least context- consistently wrong uh. yeah. yes.
2: <laughs> 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 that's the thing. So if you're gonna give that, tell foul on uh, was it Anketil or someone? For the penalty... I think on, this is a clear foul on Saka. it's was on Saka Yeah, on as well. Saka. Yeah. So it's a clear foul, Sala, this one, you know, for me. And also the... And um, Katia, uh, you know, he was offside for Zaka's goal. He was interfering with play, blocking the you know, vision. But that, I think, yeah. again, that's a bit debatable because... um First off, Lindelof was in the same um, line of... Uh, what do you call that? Line of vision, vision. as well. Line line so vision, I think yeah. maybe yeah. that's why they sort of... Uh, you know, gave it. But yeah. even going the other way, like I think Bruno should have been sent off 100 on his uh, on his foul. He was studs up, up yeah, starts up challenge. You know, above the ankle. I think that's a clear rate. But I think by then it was three one already. Referee also didn't care like. <laughs> But Bruno <laughs> but has a the, knack
0: for that huh? when he, he's uh, he was losing it a bit. He's losing losing and, and he that, actually that.
1: that was a yeah. comment I was going to make in general about United. I think, I think of course now with the announcement of the new manager, it's lifted the move mood a bit. But definitely. Fernandes is just not in a good place lah, I feel for United you know just the way you yeah. see him the way he's playing the way you know his, his body language his, his body language which yeah. sounds such so a like frust- uh, so frustrated <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not a whining thing I like and to whining comment and on whining no. whining yeah. yeah and normally he always, he's always whines whining. he's always a brand yeah, that's so but the performance is always there you know and the performances yeah. have not been there the penalty is an odd one I think maybe in the context of what's happened with Ronaldo's family and stuff maybe that's why he takes it so, but yeah, no,
2: the, the reason is, apparently, he wasn't going to take it. But Ronaldo is the one who told Bruno that he doesn't feel like he should be the one taking it. And then Bruno oh. sort of, you know, took the penalty. Which was weird, you know, for Ronaldo to come out and say that. But but then again, really if he had put a ge- put that penalty away, I think it would have been a different game. Safe to say it would have been a different game. Maybe yeah, a draw. Sure. Maybe not a win, la, but it could have been a draw, you know.
0: Yeah, do that uh,
1: penalty. And also, Jaka, yeah. that goal is... Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, a... What I is would he love trying to do see do the, at XG the edge of the box. On that. What? Yeah, w- yeah, no, the I, mistake I, what, what is one thing. was Bruno thing. trying to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of that, to score that is is a belter goal, right? You know what I mean? When things are yeah, like going in, right, goal, you just yeah. got to be like, ah, oh, shit, yeah. okay, fine. Whatever. Yeah, it's a good goal. You know, so yeah. two things go massively against United. So it's tough, la. The score, three. I mean, 3-1, if you ask me, is definitely not reflective of the game itself. But like you said, like, it was just a game of madness. You know, it was just a game of madness. Yeah. Chaos. Um, KK yours for fourth place. So it definitely makes it <laughs> yeah. a bit more interesting. So now
2: Arsenal in the driving seat. Uh, they still have five fixtures to go, which is they have West Ham away and then they play Leeds at home and then it's Spurs away. I think that's the biggest one out of the lot. The decider. Yeah, and then Newcastle away and then Everton at home. So initially, if if at the middle of the season you asked me to look at these five fixtures, I think they uh, are all winnable except the Tottenham one. But if you look at it properly, I think it's still not that straightforward. La. West Ham away is going to be tough. Leeds have found new form under Jesse March. Spurs are Spurs. Newcastle are Sunday damn good under Eddie Howe. Yeah, recently and Everton, so if they're still fighting, you know, till the very end to stay up, I think that could be a tough game as well.
0: Yeah. The only thing that Everton think, if they're really fighting to stay up, they'll be attacking yeah. and Arsenal will exploit them. But yep. yeah, we we'll have to compare with Spurs fixtures, I guess. Yeah. So
2: yeah, since we're talking about Everton... Why not we deep dive into the Merseyside derby? Who who's taking this? Rahul Kaiser, Bloody Kaiser. Said
0: we both can take it because we watched this frustrating. Yeah, I <laughs> watch. I watch it as well. Oh my god, that first half was such a horrendous watch, man. Just half the time was Richard just rolling on the floor. Yeah, but I think to but, a certain extent, what, right?
2: Everton played really well.
1: Yes, I. You know, you know what? It's horrible to say, right? but the thing is this is okay it's so because you hear this and you say if i say it's good tactics people are gonna be like what do you mean no it's not it's not good football it's not good tactics but it's a way to achieve a result and they didn't they lost but this yeah. yeah you can play like that the way the game yeah, is yeah, designed yeah. the way football yeah, is designed no where there's no stop no clock doubt. you can waste time if you go down and you feign a head injury they have to stop play all these things are there And there's nothing to say you can't exploit it, right? And people always are like, oh, this is terrible for the game, blah, blah. For me, no. You have to do what you have to do to get the points. That's why when people piss on teams like Atletico, under Simeone, Mourinho's old teams, they suck. When you're playing against them, you're like, oh my God, this is the worst. But this is a tactic. As much as Guardiola's possession play, we enjoy to watch. Klopp's all-out attacking play, we like to watch. This is a form of football as well, and it can get you results. You know, and the only yeah, and way Everton showed... were going to get points against Liverpool was playing this way. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, it shows a few
0: things. I think how far the gap is, like how like outstanding Liverpool are, and also how far Everton have fallen that they had to like succumb to this, that they couldn't go
2: head to head, to head but,
0: like, to yeah, to but like you said, feet to feet. definitely <laughs> feet to feet. But yeah, definitely it is. It was the only way they could get a result. and the, it was looking promising for like the first. Uh, 60 minutes uh, until Diaz and Aurigi came on. <clears throat> I think cracks were slowly showing. It's always hard to sit back against a Liverpool side like this for a whole 90 minutes. But Diaz and Aurigi really stretched the pitch because we were literally playing with four uh, forwards at that time. Um, and then the Gordon penalty, another refereeing uh, decision we should... Uh, yeah, before uh, I, I, about, I, I go into the... Think?
2: Sorry, Gordon penalty, right, Kaiser? I thought uh, what Klopp did, his, um, his substitutions were really good but then again at 00 i think he was i don't know if this is what i saw from a neutral's point of view mm. i thought he was he was basically risking it lah you know he was he was like going to go all out he just wanted to put more bodies into the box and try to get that first goal because i'm saying this although liverpool you know obviously were attacking most of the time but every time everton got a chance right every time they countered they looked like they were going to score you know they were quite threatening yeah. you know like in That's fact, true. in the first half, right? I think their chances were more of oh my god, can this be a goal? Chance compared to Liverpool, lah. I would say, you know, can you think of one like clear cut chance in the first half that Liverpool had that I thought should have been a goal?
0: No, they definitely kept us yeah, out. Yeah, on the they, counter with, exactly. With Gordon, they defended so the yeah. well.
2: Yeah, they defended so well.
0: And we were conf- confident because of, I mean, they had no clinical finishes yeah uh, but they were definitely getting in decent positions especially yeah. gordon was causing so much havoc walked, the, right side. down yeah. the side yeah yeah I trend, behind I Trent. Yeah. yeah. every man. time so was that a penalty it's tough i think it's a tough one i you've seen it given quite a lot of times i think yeah a lot of the discussion is behind comparing it with Vardy, who loves to do that because he's so fast he can get in front of players yeah. all the time yeah and a small touch uh you go down you know um I would say it's a 50-50. Um, his, oh, Gordon's very smart to do that, but I think it doesn't help that he was... I mean, he dived literally 20-30 exactly. like yes. minutes you before. You have to take that right. into context. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, in so that you cannot entirely bring
2: well, yeah. but, uh, the ref as well. But the thing is, I don't think...
1: I think you can make an like, excuse about context before, but now with VAR, why? why? The context yeah, shouldn't actually, matter. Right you know, yeah, when you've yeah. got a 50-50, why should it matter what a player did before? Each decision should be judged in in isolation you know isolation, that's yeah. why i get frustrated i mean i'm I glad the penalty didn't get given but the fact that he died before when you've got the privilege of having to look at replays at it again yeah yeah just look at it again and yeah, yeah i really don't understand that and the fact everton have gone to the pj PGMOL to ask for you know an explanation in the decision is is i think well, that's what you have to do because it, it doesn't make sense you know yeah so what has happened to Everton as a whole? You know, at
2: first, you know, Rafa was coming in, you know, it looked like it was gonna be a change of things and you know, they they sort of got new owners, they got, you know, massive spending. What went wrong,
0: Kaiser? Yeah, I think the first thing we can put it down to or they can may have as a big excuse is the injuries. Yeah. Uh, because if we compare with the other teams in the league, they're first in terms of the total injuries that they've had to players, Okay. are second in the league only to leads in terms of days missed uh, by players through injury. So we been very unlucky with injuries, uh, or maybe there's something with the training or those kind of things, but the fact of the matter is a lot of their players were injured for a long period of time, and not just players that were on the side. It was key players like Calvert-Lewin, Richard Lisson, Decore, Mina... Andre Gomez all for extended period of time at different times Um, and so this was uh, like I said down to could be a few different things but also I think the managerial changes right like you mentioned it was Benitez for a while and then Lampard came in yeah so there's a lot of chopping and changing Um, and as they were going down and down the table there's a lot more pressure so they were gambling on key players who weren't fit as well who got re-injured Again, so it's a whole host of uh, different things. Hey, would you? Um, I I don't
2: think they spent the money wisely. Yeah, um, I would say sure. very similar to you know what United are doing, just shelling out money and extremely stupid wages. Wages, and yeah. I feel to a certain extent, um, the external people look at it and like, oh, okay, you know, let's take advantage of this. So I think. Like, players, agents, all these people, they sort of took advantage of the situation at Everton because, like, players like, what's his name? Um, James Rodriguez. How much is he getting yeah. paid,
0: you know? like Yeah, he was more than 200k. And for a team like Everton who are not achieving anything, that is, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy high wages. And even Everton, since Moshiri came in, I mean, they spent a lot at the early stages. Remember, you remember they, were, they spent that like, Classen and all those kind of yeah, like yeah, players yeah. that they, they were spending, like, on crazy and they're putting them on big wages they're actually spe- the 5th highest spender after City United Chelsea Arsenal so that's man Moshiri came in. and they're getting
2: relegated that's and crazy and they can get relegated yeah. for 6 years not after for sure like, like you know, we don't know yet but what are the odds Raul, would you happen to have that I think it's it a toss up uh, I can it's look a toss it up between
1: now Everton and while LeBron, you guys yeah. keep on going basically
2: because I wanted yeah. to talk about the run-in like their yes. future
0: yeah. yeah so I mean those are the key issues and for the run-in they have six more matches um, which include Chelsea and Arsenal uh, but the other four fixtures seem like they can get a result Leicester Watford Brentford Crystal Palace were all not uh, doing great themselves and really have nothing to play for Yeah. Uh, but what really matters is comparing these fixtures as well with Burnley and see how they do because they are pretty informed themselves
2: I think what's most important for Everton right now is to sort of you know, make sure they try and get all three points for their home games. I think their home games they really need to take advantage of that. Leicester's yeah. going to be a tough one. Um, Watford away though, I think maybe they can do something there. Brentford, Crystal Palace at home, I'm sure. You know, if they want to win, these are the the matches they have to win la. And then Arsenal yeah. away at the end of the season, I don't know how that's going to pan out, but yeah. But let's the let's go. Wor- com- yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, the worrying thing is they haven't shown the strength when they are meant to be the favourites, you know. I think Mm. they've shown, they played well, like they beat United... When um, they, not they were the underdogs, underdogs against Liverpool, they played yeah, really against well against Liverpool. Sandeep, underdogs, yeah, and played yeah. well. So when they have to take the initiative, I'm not sure if, it's gonna... if they, yeah, if they can successfully uh, do that. Basically.
2: So I think that wraps up our segment for Everton. So let's look at the other side of uh, struggling Burnley, who are also, you know, trying to not get relegated. Um, after the break. So guys, um I think it's not fair um to mention Burnley and not uh, mention Sean Dyche. So um I think I'll start with that. Sean Dyche, uh, who is no longer Burnley's manager and he has been a Burnley's manager, you know, since 2013 and I think what he has done at Burnley, you know, in this in this span was Nothing short of uh, incredible, I would say. Twenty-one million net spend uh, in five years. He also took them to Europe after finishing seven in the eighteen-nineteen season. Crazy, that's crazy for for the the Sean Dyche Burnley that we know. Um, I think it's been he's done a really really good job, but. I think it's you know sort of come to a bit a bit sour uh this season he w- he's only got four wins in 30 games and um at the time he got sacked it was I think seven losses in the last nine and um yeah with relegation looming I think the board just had to make a make a change and for some reason, right, um, as far as you all know, Burnley, I mean, we talk about Burnley all the time. It's always not easy to score against Burnley. You know, their defence is the thing, la, you know, when it comes to Burnley. But, you know, it's been sort of ebbing away uh, in the past 18 to 24 months. Rahul, remember earlier you were talking about uh, some stats where you could see the expected goals considered, right, over
1: the seasons, how it slowly, like, started increasing? Yeah, not only that expected goals conceded but the other way as well your expected goals to score was slowly decreasing over the same period so overall I think they were just getting uh, worse over the last 18 or 24 months so it's no surprise that they are where they are personally I'm a big Sean Dyche fan Uh, I think you know we all always give a bit more attention because we all support you know top four teams who are used to challenging for the biggest trophies yeah 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 yeah. But when you look at a club like Burnley, very small stadium. I mean, Burnley itself has this town, tiny population. You you have to put into context what he's achieved with this club, right? And I think he probably will. You know, it's hard to say. I don't know. Suddenly, Burnley are qualifying for Europe and stuff. But I think what he's achieved so far, he'll probably be the best ever manager in Burnley history. Yeah. Like like yeah, you know they've got a they've got him a him pub la. outside yeah. the ground named after him and things like that, and <laughs> rightly so. So that's why that it's very sad. It's on. very sad to see that this is the way he's had to go. Um, you know, they pull a poll out, I think, on the Athletic to ask, you know, if Burnley go down, would you still want Sean Dyche to be the manager? And I think it was a ninety percent yes. You know, so he's he's. Legacy, I don't think, is massively tarnished in a fan's point of view, but it's just sad to see that he has to leave the club in the middle of a season rather than, you know, possibly after they had the European season or whatever. That would have been nicer. So now to look at the other side of things, the changes that have been made since he's left. I think the club have had to make some big decisions. So far, it seems to be paying off. So they got Michael Jackson, uh, Mike Jackson from the under-23s. He was the under-23 team coach. He's part of the first team setup now. Um, they've got Paul Jenkins, who is the academy director, to come in and to part of that team. And they've asked Ben Mee, who's club captain, who's a centre-back for the team, to also be in charge of this and to sort of act as a bridge between the coaching team and the players. What What they've done is really given the players uh, a release on that pressure valve that Sean Dyche had them in he was a very strict guy he liked things the way he wanted you know even things like media coverage of the first team he didn't like and now you see there's loads of YouTube clips of the Burnley first team and stuff suddenly coming out since his departure players are feeling like they've got a bit more freedom Uh, you know and this is evidenced by the results they get a one-all draw at West Ham they beat Southampton 2-0 and most impressively in my opinion out of three results they win a at Wolves 1-0, in the, in the result just gone, you know, and this has pushed them up massively into the odds, massively. I think they were bang on, yeah, yeah. they were bang on for relegation, yeah, and, you know, so short-term, I think these changes definitely are justified, the sacking has been justified, Um and yeah, they're, they're, they're doing well so far, but I think time will tell, time will tell. Yeah, it's easy to say in hindsight, you know, how things have, have turned out, but
2: like, again, you look back at what he's done over the years, keeping them in the Premier League itself is a big achievement already, you know. So let's see um, whoever they bring in uh, next season. Hopefully, you know, he'll be, he'll be able to, you know, do at yeah. least maybe 60-70% what he's done. I think that that would be amazing already. In comparison with the other teams, so
0: many came and went, right? Yeah, Fulham, exactly. Norwich, Sheffield United, all these teams up and down that came up and the way he can manage for this long. I think he was one of the longest... Definitely longest serving manager, I think, in the Premier League, right? Before he was, was he was, and now Klopp, sure, yeah. Klopp has
1: taken over. But he was the longest serving before mm. he was Yeah, exactly.
0: So, yeah.
1: So, would do you think they'll be able to keep it up? Like this new. Bounce, I think it depends. So the changes they've made so far is they've got them playing a very unburnly like style of football, right? So yeah, far. Yeah. Um normally Burnley you, you associate them with sort of long balls into the channels, a big target man that used to be Ashley Barnes Ash, Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes or <laughs> Chris Ashley Wood, you know, knocking down the second balls for the white man. Uh, but the way they've changed it now, so you can mm. see they're trying to play shorter passes, they're trying to keep a bit more time on the ball, wide midfielders are encouraged to go up and get involved in the attack. Uh, and you know, it seems to be working. It seems to be currently be working for them. Players that have come out of their shell a bit who've sort of found a new lease on life, I would say the biggest one and the most obvious one has been Dwight McNeil. I think he's a very good player. I used to have him as, you know, one of his best players. He's a young prospect. He's been linked with big teams. But he really had a poor season this season. Um, And I think he really ended up not getting along with Sean Dyche a lot. Um, I think that's because he put a lot of defensive responsibility on him and that, that didn't just suit his game. So I think they've come in and they've told Dwight McNeil, get up high, do what you have to do, be creative, make chances. And that's evidence. He puts Weghorst through for the assist in the Wolves game for that 1-0. Um, other changes they've made, they brought Jack Cock back into the team. I think he, with his experience and his ability to sort of keep the ball ticking along has helped them in this style of play. And then, then we talk about Weghorst, who was the big signing you know, this, this is season. why I brought him into my fantasy team. This why, <laughs> but I don't have him right now, lah, in the team. <laughs> yeah, correct. Like this, what right, we all yeah. imagine he'll be, but yeah. the numbers were terrible. You know, Wacoss was just not, you Awful. know, one of the worst Awful. strikers Awful. in the league before yeah. uh, Sean Dyche <laughs> got sacked. And over the last three <laughs> games, he all his um, statistics are are, are are very impressive. The most surprising statistic for me is, for a massive guy, six foot six, he had the most yeah. pressures by. Any Premier League player in the game against Wolves. Which is I can't even I, I I had to read that a few times and just double check that it was the right source. But yeah, most wow. precious in a single a game. Beast. And it's is interesting with the
0: It's interesting with the same players, they play they can change it up yeah, so quickly. Exactly. And like Vecos is a massive target man and Ben Nilla, bro. McNeil is just the expected genius. to cross from deep and stuff, right? Ben now. Me know The player manager. <laughs> What a guy.
2: So let's look at their fixtures. So they have Warford away, Villa at home, and then they play Spurs and um, Villa again away. And then it's Newcastle at home. So honest question, do you guys think they would be the ones who stay up? Or is it still hard to say?
0: I think, I would think Everton would stay up. Wow, uh,
2: You want the Merseyside derby last year, right? That's why, right? <laughs> no, actually, that's, I think it'll be That's what Klopp said in the interview. See, so yeah, so the yeah, only yeah. reason he wants them up because he wants the Merseyside derby. He's being
0: nice. La. He'll celebrate Such quietly nice. in his room yeah. uh, when uh, everything goes down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, know? Uh, What I would like is definitely for everything to go down because that Ooh. would just, it would be fantastic. I think um, they've got a new stadium coming up this season, so it'll definitely be the best stadium in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what you know, everything I think are definitely the better team. You know, they if they mm. if Frank Lampard can get them playing a coherent style of football, I think they definitely can get the results. But what Burnley have for them is the fact that they've this group of players have been here multiple seasons, you know, and that is something we can't discount you know, experience in there. At the top of the table, the same thing. When you're used to challenging for titles, when you're used to being in league runs, it makes a difference same thing at the bottom end of the table if you're used to scraping every season for survival (laughs) right for coming in and getting in results when it matters I think that's a big thing and the Everton players have never been in this situation before yeah so that that sort of experience is a different sort of experience altogether to handle the pressure and I think that's big enough to probably swing it in Burnley's favour I mean if I'm being honest I don't have a clue but you know maybe that's something (laughs) to take into consideration okay I think that pretty much wraps up our review segment so let's
2: look at some of the fixtures in our preview segment after the break. So at the time of recording, um, the first fixture that we want to talk about is United at Home to Chelsea. So uh, this fixture, I think, is playing Friday morning, so Thursday night line in Malaysia. So it's a 3am game. Uh, it's a, It's a big game, of course, United-Chelsea, <laughs> right? But after everything that's been going on in the league this season, I don't know how big of a game it is. Um, All I know is Chelsea need seven points from their last six games to sort of secure top four. Because right now they're sitting on 65 points and uh, they're five points away from Arsenal, uh, who are in third, and they have a game in hand. So they're pretty much safe, top four. But then again, to be... 100% Hundred percent sure to uh, you know finish top four. They need yeah seven points lah from their last six, and they want it done as soon as possible. Exactly. It, yeah. But from United point, uh, United's point of view, I after that loss to Arsenal, I think right now what they need to do is sort of uh, finish the season strong, I guess. Or okay, right now fourth spot is out of their hands. The only thing that's in their hands right now is to obviously you know win the remaining games that they have. But then sort of you do that part and then let's just see what happens to Arsenal Spurs. Let's just hope, you know, for, you know, things to go bad for them, which I highly doubt. Uh, But the funny thing is uh, the record, uh, the last time Chelsea uh, won in the league at Old Trafford was in May 2013. So United might have a chance here. So in the reverse fixture, Michael Carrick was in charge. It was a 1-1. I thought United played really well that game. So maybe, maybe something similar would happen. But I really don't know how that's going to pan out. What do you guys think? You're such in an awkward
0: position as well. Not wanting the Conference League. Yeah. Like, no, la, I think Europa that's bullshit. La.
2: Obviously, they'll they'll want to get any European no, competition. La. Definitely,
0: be... you will try your best in the league. Because there is still that chance of fourth place. But yeah. like, if you end up in the Conference League, it might be, it be pretty terrible to get to
2: be honest yeah but you see what I'm trying to see is here right okay oh, we go and beat Chelsea but so what you know the most important game I think we had to win the three points was against Arsenal you know more than anything And
0: it, I, think it, you, I think you'd be surprised we've seen this whole season how this race for top four has been yeah, up and down up and, right? and so down up and down you know, there might no. still be surprises to come let's Actually, see yeah. let's see what that happens
2: so uh the next fixture is Spurs versus Leicester Spurs are playing at home right yeah, yeah, Spurs, Spurs are, are playing at home
0: them. and they still have a strong chance of finishing fourth. Like you said, it's between them and Arsenal and they are playing each other in uh, three game weeks. Uh, yeah, for this game particularly, I think they have not much excuse to lose here. They're pretty injury free, no other competitions. Uh, however, they have been in inconsistent form. They've drawn to Brentford, lost to Brighton, then they beat Villa. And they really need this win against Leicester because after they have Liverpool. Uh, and then the potential decider against Arsenal. Uh, so they need to definitely win this game. On yeah, the other for side, sure. For
2: sure.
0: Leicester are in terrible form. They're having a terrible season. Uh, they're 10th with nothing to play. And they are actually in the Europa Conference League semis against Roma. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that that's def- their main focus, right? right definitely now? will be their yeah. focus. Uh, and this Spurs game is in between oh, the two legs. Uh, so they might even rest players uh, for this Spurs so, game. Lucky so lucky for Spurs lah. Exactly, Spurs have to win this game. No excuse.
1: Okay,
2: West Ham at home to Arsenal, Rahul?
1: I think similar to what Kaiser was saying there, but West Ham are in an even bigger bigger semi-final in the Europa League um, with Frankfurt and the game is sandwiched between Arsenal. Um, The other thing is for West Ham, they find themselves possibly with some degree of being on the beach because they are six points from a Europa League spot and they are 10 points from 10th so they're not much jeopardy of falling out of the top 10 but they probably are not gonna get a Europa League spot uh, given that Arsenal Spurs United all are really vying for that fourth spot so they'll be picking up points so i think west ham will try to do what they did against chelsea very similarly sort of park the bus make it difficult they've got a big problem at center back after dawson got um suspended in the last game with a red card and arsenal have to push it they have to they have to pick up the points here um so i think arsenal will be really up for it i think west ham will try their best to sort of be difficult be awkward but uh, I don't think that that David Moyes is gonna be that bothered about about the result either way. <laughs> yeah, <coughs>
2: yeah. Okay, then let's get into the score predictor. So just to update everyone who's listening, um, those of you who don't know, score predictor is sort of a game that we play among the three of us, uh, three of us, and then we sort of you know. S- mm basically make our score predictions based on that we accumulate points so we're finally going to tell you those points because since it's coming to the end of the season so uh, who would have guessed it Kaiser's in the lead with 22 wow. points despite watching Ooh. the
0: least football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: I come in place uh, as second 17 uh, fighting for that for that title and then Rahul's down there 11 fighting for relegation
0: Rele- relegation <laughs> 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 relegation what was the forfeit again if we uh, finished last I'm sure there was a pretty that there was so no there, forfeit there was but see, in, I for you think, guys do be, you have to watch football games like you know
1: <laughs> as crazy as it sounds oh no no please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well lucky i won't be uh, i won't be losing the season so <laughs> true, 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 oh, true, 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 true So you can All go right, another Kaiser, season see Without see. watching anything la. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kaisa just so good Let's at this go. so Why don't you go first United at home to
0: Chelsea What are your You guys are just, just going to Copy my scores la. Nah lah uh, United vs Chelsea Why would we do that? I have to catch up <laughs> <laughs> That's true Put it on the line Differential United vs Chelsea How do I see this going Not having lost since 2013, I think it'll be another draw similar to the last Ah. outing. So I would go for a 1-1.
2: 1 1, ah uh. You've been winning this with so many 1 1s, you know. Bloody. <laughs> the draws. He's a fucking me. cheater, uh, Okay, uh, I'm going to go
0: next, huh? Just United fan, come on. Yeah. Come on, I know it. You gonna know, gonna say. we've conceded seven
2: goals in the last two games, but we're going to get a clean sheet in this one. 2 0 to Whoa. Man United. Oh, <laughs> my. Bowl. Bowl. Oh, my. Goodness.
1: Rahul what about you? Uh, 2 1 to Chelsea. 2-1 to Chelsea. All oh, three, three different scores. ones. Uh? Oh, she, she just ignore yeah. mine. La. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Better be very.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Spurs. Spurs. At home to Leicester. Um, Rahul, you want to go
1: first? Yeah, I think Spurs will do pretty well here just because they need to pick up some points and Leicester aren't going to be bothered. So, I'll go 3 nil Spurs. Alright
0: then. Uh, Kaiser. what about you? What about me? Yes, um, I think from what we've discussed earlier, yes, Spurs have no excuse to not win this one and I think they will comfortably with almost a full strength squad. Just a matter of the result. Uh, I think it'll be very comfortable but they'll probably concede one. So 3-1 to Spurs. 3-1 to Spurs. I think 3-0
2: to Spurs for me. Okay, the final fixture. West Ham versus Arsenal. I'm going to go first. I think Arsenal going to win this. 2-1. 2-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 to the Gunners. <laughs>
0: Uh Kaiser what about you? 2-1 two, to the goodness. Uh yeah, I would think West Ham had a chance here to be honest, uh just because of how the fourth race fourth spot race has been going, but they're just too focused on the Europa League I think, it, yeah. yeah, Europa so I think, League, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think it'll be 2-0 uh, to
2: Arsenal. 2-0 to Arsenal. Lah. Not even one goal. Lah.
0: Okay. No, one goal.
2: All right. Uh Rahul? Same lah, I follow the champion 2-0. Awesome. Alright then um, Thank you so much For listening I think this Today's one was a bit long No lah no lah I think it was, it was normal lah Alright guys uh, We'll catch you In the next pod Take care Bye bye
1: Sonny is very lucky That his father Is a better person Than Oli And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich
2: Next Tuesday April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David My
1: Football heritage. <laughs> no one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville.
0: But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply.
1: I love you.